Welcome to the TXRD Broadcast, where two rambling randos talk about women's roller derby. What is up with it? I'm Aaron. I'm Josh. And oh my god, what a bout. <laughs> so real quick, I want to talk about a, a, a couple of things before we get into the bout itself. Um, I've been meaning to talk about this for a while, but... TXRD, the league, has these new programs that they've printed up yeah. that have tons of content in them. We've got full skater lineups. We've got pronouns for individual skaters. We've also got extraneous content, little interviews, profiles. Uh, this one had a little splash page of Derby Wive photographs. All sorts of like cute cultural context stuff that kind of like helps bring the community more into the game. So I've been meaning to shout that out forever, and I'm really stupid, so I never say anything <laughs> about it. Um the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the Instagram skater profiles that have been going up. Yeah. So TXRD has been putting up skater profiles where they talk about their background with Derby, the origin of their, their name and number, their bout day rituals, stuff like that. I hope to see a lot more of this. I hope that people are responding to this kind of stuff. If you're listening to this and you're not sure how to get into Derby, read that kind of stuff. Because the more you know about these people and this community the easier it's going to be for you to care about the like game itself. Um, so huge shout out to TXRD for doing all of that stuff. If you're listening to this at home and you're not a super big Derby fan yet, or if you are but haven't looked at this stuff, definitely, definitely check it out. Right. So let's get into the bat itself. Um, so we're talking about the Holy Rollers versus the Cherry Bombs. This was February 29th, 2020 at the Palmer Event Center, like usual. Um, this time we had on the commentary team, uh, Kramer and Buffy Basher, which I think is maybe the dream team for us. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out specifically, we had, um, a number of, uh, uh rules explanations from Kramer and Buffy this time, which, uh, I think helps a lot. There are, you mentioned the, the, um, paper programs, the, the program itself has the rules for a lot of penalties in the front. Um, but I think that reiterating it as we see the penalties happen helps uh, understand. Yeah, and also like Kramer explained the way that like point resolution goes in a couple of situations when both skaters right. uh, or when both teams have skaters up for minor penalties, stuff like that. Um, especially since we no longer, I think, have someone walking around with the I know the fucking rules sign. Yes, right. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, and Buffy, uh, funny as fuck, as always. Yes, continually <laughs> a sharp, like a source of razor sharp wit. Great jokes, great energy, great voice, great everything. Uh, this time on the wheel, we had Shredpool, who was dressed as, and I'm quoting Kramer here, so don't get mad at me, a penalty pimp. <laughs> now, Shredpool just says he was dressed as himself. Yep, so. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yep. Uh, I think Shredpool did a great job. Um, I think it's important to have that kind of uh, clear voice for it you want to have, be like uh, very vocal very loud and Treadpool, obviously like one of the most iconic ref voices we have had in txrd since we've been watching yeah super veteran ref also really really sick and he made some jokes about this to have a ref on the other side of the yeah of the track at the penalty <laughs> wheel getting to punish the skaters that you know do some of this cheating intentionally <laughs> uh the band uh this time uh close to my heart midnight butterfly um midnight butterfly have been a staple in txrd for what like three years now maybe maybe longer four maybe a little bit longer maybe four years um they're i think we've mentioned them before but they're an all young women's band uh i think they're all local and yeah they're they're a, a banger every time uh and it's always exciting to see them get a crowd uh because they deserve it 
yeah, I think the fact that every time I see them, they're like five years older than the last time. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it really hard for me to contextualize this. And then we feel frame. older by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, uh, final score for this one. Um, I'm hoping I'm getting this right. This is 84 versus 83 cherry bombs in this case. So this is one of the closest, you know, obviously mathematically that we've ever seen. Right. And we'll get into how close it was kind of a nail biter the whole time. Yeah. And it was a scary bout, right? So like we, we came into it, obviously I'm a cherry bombs diehard. I have the absolute faith in the cherry bombs. Aaron, you expressed to me as we sat down before anything had happened that this was a scary bout, right? Because you felt certain that the Holy Rollers were going to be very, very dangerous yeah. and potentially win this whole thing. I, the Holy Rollers were undefeated last season. And they I like were... I can't really argue with that, right? Yeah. I, like, you're not wrong. All I really had to say was, you know, don't sleep on the kid. Yep. The kid is scrappy. <laughs> I stand by that, and I'm extremely vindicated now <laughs> in the future. But I'll say that, like, you know, this was by no means a... Uh, like some kind of underdog uh sweeping the rug out from the from the champion type moment this was a scrap fight you know the whole way through this was absolutely neck and neck a- anybody's the whole game. way through and what is really interesting about that is because we said that same thing about the last bout that it was super close very much a nail biter this was in such a different way a nail biter yeah so let's get into some kind of high level uh, uh topics and themes here do you want to start Yes, I would say that the first thing that I want to talk about is the crowd, actually. Yeah. And this is sort of like outside of the bout itself, but we sat down and we took note, right? The seats were basically filled at the very beginning of the bout, which was really excited to see for such an early season game. Yep. Um, I was happy to see so many people out here. Um, obviously, lots of family of the skaters. There was like the legs cheering quadrants. <laughs> There's, you know, big groups of friends and family out here, but that alone can't account for the the type of full house that we had so obviously like lots of people got tickets really really happy to see that um and the crowd stayed hype and active and uh, in attendance the entire time in fact we i don't know if this is true but it seemed like we saw people spill out of the seating and, and actually just stood around the 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 uh, track yes absolutely and actually like i'm not sure if all of those people were from the seating because at the end of the bout, the seats were still full and there were tons of yeah. people <laughs> standing um, around the track. So talking about just the, the crowd energy, I want to talk about the energy as a whole uh, because um, we have two teams here, the Holy Rollers and the Cherry Bombs, that I think exhibit a lot of uh, two different things that we see that really elevate this game to something that is a truly exciting experience. Um, I want to talk about the Holy Rollers first. On the Holy Rollers, we have two people, uh, Break and Bake and Huff Daddy, that I think exhibit a lot of crowd interaction that I think is super important. Uh, Break and Bake always gets up to uh, either the jam line or or uh, the pack and will yell at the crowd. We'll try and start a chant um, during a break. She'll try and start a wave. Uh, and Huff Daddy, always the the all smiles kind of goofball of the group and, and making you laugh. The tearaway pants. Right. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then sort of on the other side of that, where it's like not necessarily directly interacting with the, the, the audience, but skaters interacting with each other, the Cherry Bombs have always oozed attitude. This is a team that can really, really play off of at least like feigning anger and probably sometimes also being right. like a little bit heated. You see tons of middle fingers. You hear Mila cursing at other people. You also see Mila like mugging for the crowd, talking straight <laughs> to us. Um 
but yeah, like Ninja, Rolla, Scrappy, Zara, Go 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 Jira now uh, yeah. becoming a massive personality within the Rolla. squad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and Scrappy had a little write-up in the program that explained, like, you know, they're hashtag team fun. And yeah. uh, the rollers are hashtag team no fun. So I think it was pretty clear. <laughs> she also said that they were going to win. So And, yeah, there you go. Don't sleep, don't on, the sleep on the kid. Uh, while we're on the topic of, uh, you know, attitude and energy, I want to talk a little bit about um, two of our uh, favorite gimmicks of the, of the current roster, and both of which were um, present during this bout. Uh I'm going to lead off with my favorite gimmick, uh, <laughs> who this is not any anybody's surprise if you know me, a big wrestling fan, uh, Macho Mandy Savage, who uh, obviously is um, paying homage to Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, I, I love everything about her whole gear, everything. Like she has tassels. She has uh, her number is COTC, which stands for cream of the crop, which is a reference to uh, one of Macho Man's best promos ever where he's holding up a little coffee creamer and talking about he's the cream of the crop oh yeah um it's one of my favorite go-tos to show somebody how hype wrestling can be uh her font for her name on her gear is the old wrestlemania logo from like the late 80s which is awesome and she throws out slim jims to the crowd uh when she has the rollout she's like she's missing a pair of shades and an elizabeth figure uh and she'd be the complete thing and I, I love it top to bottom and, and I want to see more stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, this isn't a gimmick per se. I guess my choice isn't a gimmick per se. It's kind of more like a headcanon plus a <laughs> like personality. But um, I'm going to talk again, as I so often do these days, about the star. Um, the star is so glamorous <laughs> and showboats <laughs> so hard. In my mind, I think about like, 2000 aughts Lady Gaga, who was nobody, was playing like tiny indie venues with an album that's exclusively about being super rich and super famous. Right, the fame. <laughs> and then dressing super rich and super famous and giving all these interviews that are like intriguing and mysterious because she's pretending to be super rich and super famous until she is. And she is now, obviously. Right. Um, and when I see the star, who is named The Star, it seems so obvious that they're going to be a superstar. Right. And it's delightful to see them already acting like it. Yes. Um, so that's got to be my pick here for the for tonight's bout. Yeah, agreed. So uh, next kind of high level theme I wanted to touch on was um, what I wanted to call uh, synergy symmetry. So what I mean by that is that both teams um, in this bout had a lot of team synergy going on in ways that uh, mirrored each other, but were not exactly the same. So, yeah. yeah. So the the you know, the packs in each team generally were comprised of skaters that uh, had a lot of knowledge of each other, a lot of familiarity with each other, but also were interchangeable in a way that you saw a lot of commonality in um, duos and trios of blockers that formed a mesh in the holy rollers uh, a lot of the time. Yeah. There's no. It's actually really weird. There's like no weak pack there's no right. group of skaters out there that i look at and be like oh this is a really scary jammer for this particular pack right it's like everyone that was out there in every single lineup seemed super capable very very good and i mean the way that the scores traded and the way that we had so many point trades within jams yes um meaning both teams scoring within the same jam really really validates that everyone here is at the top of their game or getting there. Right. 
And on the Cherry Bomb side, we saw a lot of uh, their pack dynamic being different than the or the rollers, rather, where you know they are not necessarily always going to mesh up with three or four skaters, kind of you know linking arms and trying to block. They they are dynamic. They move around. They know how to be you know running forward and then looking back or uh, running back and calling forward, whatever that might be. And I could name you you know six to seven bombs that any collection of them is an extremely dangerous pack yeah for sure um and what's nuts about like all of these blockers pivots defensive strategists within both teams they also mostly are incredible jammers as well right um so the just multi-role um flexibility that both of these teams have coupled with the fact that they're both on the high end probably maybe the top two like fastest most aggressive most lethal like offensive teams Mm -hmm. and sacrifice almost none of that for defense because they're so well-rounded but in two like you said pretty different ways actually the way that their actual play styles work right yeah um i think that i said this to you at this bout but i've been thinking it for a while now 2020 might be the year that we see every team elevated to really change this might be like a, a a the, the crux of a, a, a paradigm shift in TXRD as a whole, where we're going to start to see some big, big changes in how, you know, bouts are conducted uh, quarter to quarter and seeing some changes in how we think about, um, you know, jam dynamics and pack dynamic. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and like even outside of the sort of like meta shift aspect of it, just in purely qualitative terms, this is just like the goat season that I've it's watched. A, it's a fucking banger like, season. I've, I have canonized like 2013 and 14 in my mind as like, for the longest time, they've been my favorite seasons. They were my first two seasons that I watched and yeah. they've been my favorite seasons that I've watched. Um, and I like always think about those retired skaters and like how many people that I miss. And I don't know, this season so far is easily just like my favorite. I agree. And uh, I think yeah. that it will continue to get better and better. Yep. Yes, super, super excited. Um, yeah, did you have any other high-level topics or themes you wanted to cover? Yeah, I think I have one kind of last thing to point out here um, on the term of like high-level trends that we're seeing within Derby right now. I talked about this a little bit in a previous episode about star pass attempts, specifically reactive star pass attempts, right. um, something that we'd normally seen as kind of a set play becoming more integrated into core um, offensive strategy. And a thing that I noticed today, uh, mostly from Break and Bake, was whip attempts out of, like, scramble situations. I think in the past, like, whips are super cool. They're iconic. Obviously, like, you've got the movie Whip It. It's This is, like, one of the few things that, like, anyone knows about Roller Derby right. who doesn't actually watch it <laughs> is that, like, whips exist and this is what they look like. Um, we saw a lot of, and again, like, big shout-outs to Break and Bake here, of whips being used to gain really slight edges in jams where points were contested. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think historically, we usually see them when a team is way ahead, they'll do whips because they're cool and fun and crowd-pleasing. When a team is way behind, they'll do a bunch of whips because they're cool and fun and crowd-pleasing. And this bout never had that kind of point spread. Um, It was neck and neck the whole time. Lead changed a bunch of times there was lots of points at the bout where um the teams were essentially tied or extremely close within three or four points of each other and these whips were like highly strategic based on 
the idea of just getting an extra point or defending an extra point. And I'm really excited to see that strategy emerge more because they are cool and fun and crowd-pleasing and super effective, I think. Yeah. And I think this goes to what you said about sort of we're on the cusp of like a big evolution in the way that this game is played within TXRD. Um, because like I said, these are they're not new strategies per se, but they're being used in new ways yes. by these new skaters. Right. New technology, yeah. if you want to call it that. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, let's jump in because I think we're going to actually hit on some other high level topics when we get into the jammies. Uh, so let's start off our jammies with the most valuable pivot discussion. And before we even get into this, I want to talk about how difficult this process was for us. Typically, you know, we might come out of a, a bout with um, a handful of, of favorites in each category or something. This time, like I could nominate the whole team on either side for all of these categories. Yeah, this got so difficult for me that when we were actually sitting there at the bout, I was like, do we need to just like reconceptualize the entire concept right. of the jammies because i can't give every award to six people on right. both teams um that doesn't make any sense like how am i supposed to pick a best i will say um thank you so much to uh Sayana mormont slay gave us the stats immediately after the bout yes. um which in theory helped us with these decisions but also i think it just helped us clarify some thoughts that we had already just like going back and checking the, the stats. And yeah, the numbers really clarified for me personally that like, <laughs> oh, everyone is actually as sick as I thought they Yes, were. everyone's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, so for Most Valuable Pivot, I'll start off here. Um, my uh, award is going to go to Dyer's Eve. I think Dyer's Eve has been a um, an absolute staple in the Rollers pack for years and years. Uh, if you look at it, she's, you know, pivoted, um, I think, tied or almost uh, most frequent. Uh, pivot in the pack usually when i've looked at stats she is the most common yeah. pivot and and is a powerhouse like you often see dyers uh going in and uh alone can stop a jammer um similar to like how break and bake can do it but i think that dyers has more of like a uh there's a lot of like team mentality going on when dyers is in the pack and i think that the other thing that i i noticed as the the bat was going on is that dyers knows her jammers um, Dyers knows what they're going to do and can react. And, and I think that yes. that's really helpful. Absolutely. Uh, and I just have a couple of shout outs here to Scarlet Harlot, who also put in uh, a hell of a time as Pivot, and uh, Mila Djukovic, who I like, when I think of Roller Girl, I am thinking of Mila Djukovic first. Yeah. Like her as Pivot, I think, needs to stay uh, for the rest of her tenure. She's just so good. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned her because she is my Pivot. <laughs> For most valuable pivot, since uh, I am a bombs fan. Uh-huh. And I'm a fraud, <laughs> apparently. No, the big shout-outs to Dyer's Eve, Scarlet Harlot. We've looked at the numbers. They're undeniable. And even independently of that, it's so obvious when you're sitting there in the crowd yeah. what y'all are doing. Um, and also, I will add, actually, a Flocka to that, who is emerging as sort of a... I don't want to say like baby pivot, but for someone who's known mostly as a jammer, yeah, is actually very effective as pivot as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, my pick for MVP, Mila Djukovic. This was about where Mila didn't jam at all, and her impact on the way that this bout went for the bombs was just as high, if not higher, yeah. than it's ever been. Yes. I think as a veteran bomb and her familiarity with her team, it doesn't matter what jammer they put up. Mila knows what to do. 
She knows how to work with her team. And most importantly, I think Mila knows how to rush ahead and help a jammer in a, in a, in like a clutch moment or fall behind and kind of assess the situation. Mila's very good at that. Yeah. She's super smart. She knows her team. She knows the other teams and she knows just bank track roller derby. She just like knows exactly what she's doing. I think a big part of how the bombs were able to stay in this bout long enough to win it because it was a little bit rocky at the beginning Mm -hmm. was that the first quarter and like part of the second quarter uh, Flocka was actually contained a little bit. She wasn't not able to score points, but she was not able to score the way that everyone knows that she can. Right. And I looked at the stats on this because I had a mental note about it. Like, Mila pivoting against Flocka was highly effective in the first half. And I think that I have to credit her super, super hard for that. She also pivoted so much. Oh, my God. Yeah. So moving on to uh, most valuable blocker in this case, I think that I could have named... I think I literally wrote down like 12 uh, skaters for this category. And I just don't, I don't know that I have a, a single pick, but if I had bullet, you know, gun to my head, um, if I had to pick somebody, uh, I'm going to go with break and bake. I think that break just consistently shows that you can be in a pack. And if you know what you're doing, if you have the, the play in mind, you can strategically go kill the opposing jammer or just carry your jammer. You know, you mentioned the whips, right? You can, you can know how to overcome the, like, pack miasma. Don't get hung up in it. Stop the opposing jammer or break through and get your jammer through. Absolutely, because Derby is a game notable for simultaneous defense and offense on both teams. So a, a lot of the times we sort of shorthand our discussion of the pack and blockers as, like, defensive strategy. But it is also offensive strategy, yeah. right? Um, and I think you're totally right that... Um, Break just is the best of both worlds right now. Yep. And uh, a few of, of my shout outs. Um, Zero Problem and Boy Division, I think, on their respective teams have been uh, really key members for many years now and know exactly what they're doing at all times and are able to um, work with almost anybody um, in the pack. And special shout out to Macho Mandy Savage, who I think. Um, has really come up as a great blocker. I saw her a few times this bout really just like strategically uh, knock somebody out uh, at a really critical time and yeah. stop a jammer in their tracks. For sure. Um, I think my pick for blocker, this was actually probably what I struggled with the most um, because I think of the bombs as such an offense heavy team. They've always had like a decent pack, but we have like had a little bit of you know shakiness in previous seasons and previous bouts um that you know they they had some holes so when i watched this bout and saw how capably they were able to defend against such a lethal team as the holy rollers i came away kind of just thinking that every single blocker on the bombs is out of their minds right now right um so i really struggled with this um i think my pick is going to be ninja please um Again, this is a person who historically we've known mostly as a jammer, or like I've paid more attention to as a jammer, sure. even though she's always been sort of a, a ninja of all trades. Um, but the number of times that we heard on commentary Buffy saying and uh, Kramer saying that Ninja had assassinated someone, right. and you look over there and Ninja's like skating, totally casual, and someone's like on the ground, on the ground <laughs> inside the track, basically falling out of the track. It's crazy. I remember a particular play where um, Ninja busted through the entire Holy Rollers pack. It was, I think, Queen of Hearts, Aida Brains, Salty, and Flocka Kalaka. 
just like all shoved out of the way by this one (laughs) skater named ninja please um which was able to get rolla parks i think four points over huff daddy yeah and i i just watched that happen and i was like oh my god I kind of want, uh, I was thinking about this, this bout, I kind of want an anime to be made about the cherry bombs, and I want Ninja to be the protagonist, just from the perspective of Ninja Please. Anime speed lines, that she, like, just goes in and, like, disappears somebody. And just teleports. And, yeah, and teleports, which, but yeah, uh, Buffy mentioned a few times, we've been saying this for years, that, like, it literally looks like she's, like, no-clipping through uh, a bunch of physical bodies in, in ways that don't make sense. Absolutely godlike. Um, my... Um, honorable mention here is also Zara problem actually. Yeah. Um, I I could have easily given pivot to Zara too because she pivoted a bunch today and was highly effective. Mm-hmm. But I actually think that the big impact that she made was as a blocker playing role of like secondary pivot. When you have Mila in last position in the pack going against the jammer, or you have the cherry bombs pivot out up ahead looking for like coordination zara is in the pack she's the anchor managing and anchoring the rest of the blockers around her um absolutely invaluable right uh so moving over to most valuable jammer um another highly contentious uh uh, grouping here but i think that i have to give it to scarlet harlot who um and i hate to fall back on the numbers here but i had a suspicion that scarlet harlot was putting up uh quite a few points over quite a few jams and when you look at it Actually, she put up a lot of points on only a few jams. I thought that she jammed a lot more than she did, but she actually, pivoted so much. Yeah, she, she was pivoted so much. There. Right. So actually, yeah, I, I think that Scarlet is um, quickly becoming one of the the Holy Roller's most dangerous jammers. Yeah, she put up what a twelve point jam with yeah. like one of the cleanest first passes yes. through the pack that I've ever seen. Like right. a zero resistance. Yeah, no shenanigans, no like major rescade, just a clean 12 points, which is always fun to see. Yeah, it was also super sick because she's such a relatively young skater. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the kind of thing that I see from a ninja please, from a like a boss, just like getting through that first pass in zero seconds flat. Right. It was astonishing. And then to continue to go and get another two laps. Uh, my shout outs here are uh, Scrappy, again, just a solid fucking jammer. Um, just so good at... Uh, being able to maneuver, being able to adapt. Like, Scrappy does not often get stuffed by a very aggressively defensive pack. She'll find a way through. Most importantly, though, Scrappy has that family connection with, like, a Mila Jukovic, where if Mila's pivoting and Scrappy's jamming, it's deadly. They just know how to work off of each other, and Mila will go open it up, and Scrappy just capitalizes. It's like they they know each other so well. Yeah, and I would say that the, like, five-pack of... Mila, Ninja, Rolla, Zero Problem, and Scrappy. You can take any two, any three of those skaters, and they're super good at getting their jammer through. Right. Um, but um, uh, one other shout out I had uh, for Jammer is Rolla Parks, who I actually think um, takes a very similar role to like a Leica boss, where you don't necessarily need to set Rolla up. Rolla can just do her thing, and the pack can focus on being defensive and. Uh, We've often seen times where Rolla will just, um, when given a little bit of leeway, will just steamroll through an entire team, take a double lap, and get, you know, five, ten points. Yes. Seared in my mind is the image of Rolla Parks bowling, bowling through the front of the pack, adjusting her wrist guards around turn three. Yep. She did all the work and just, like, is out. Um, so my most valuable jammer for this bout is legs. <laughs> for days. Legs. 
just leaps and bounds and can literally step <laughs> over the entire pack. When we were there last night, I made a joke about it being like War of the Worlds, where she can just like yeah. walk over. Um, it, but I, I honestly think that like undersells the intelligence of the way that she skates. She's so good at finding the room, finding the lines, knowing what parts of the track she can step over, knowing what types of skaters she can easily just like bend around. Yep, it's beautiful to watch. Um, she has. A phenomenal cheering section. I will say that the legs chant doesn't resonate super hard with me because in my brain I'm always going legs fucking go. But um, yeah, she hit an 11-0 jam in what was it Q3 I think mm-hmm. um, that actually brought the game to a tie when the bombs had been in a deficit yes. for quite a while. And immediately after that, we saw six consecutive jams where the Holy Rollers were unable to score. Yeah. So I always talk about momentum. I talked about this with the star last bout. That for me was the moment where like momentum shifted in the bomb's favor. And since they are such a momentum heavy team and they feed off the crowd energy, they feed off the pop-offs, they feed off like skaters giving the middle finger and fighting and stuff like that and just like get better and better. I think that I've got to credit Legs for sort of kicking that off in this um, game. She also like was high up there in the numbers she yeah. wasn't at the top of the the cherry bombs numbers um but i did want to talk about that as well this season of derby has been so high scoring yeah on the jammer side um like 84 83 for yeah for both teams like, like a total... 170 it, points yes it's something that we <laughs> don't have not seen in a long time right that's crazy for such a close bout to be so high scoring also. And so you look at these numbers and it's like the bombs have scrappy roller and legs all over 20 points each. On the holy roller side, Flockaclocka with a superhuman 28 yeah, points. Yeah, nearly 30 goddamn points. And then Scarlet <laughs> with 15, Huff Daddy with 14, the star with 11. It's actually like nuts. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. This was a very contested jammy for me because the numbers are just nuts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have to give it to legs for creating the specific thing that her team needs which is momentum yeah uh moving into uh our sickest penalty um why don't you lead off with this yeah so um i'm gonna talk about penalties a little bit because (laughs) you want to talk about cheating a little bit (laughs) i want to talk about cheating a little bit um i had the pleasure of sitting next to glitterotica at this bout uh and jointly lamenting the early 2010s culture of cheating intentionally and getting injected by the end because (laughs) i agree it's sick. It's awesome. And I think recently we were talking about how clean TXRD has become. Yeah. And like how this new school of like former hired guns and new recruits and stuff like that don't give up major penalties. We we caught a glimpse of um, Too Legit to Brit at the end of the bout saying that there were 16... Yeah, major penalties. German suplexes. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah. So there were 16 major penalties in this bout, which is just crazy. Um, and a lot of that in the second half. Yeah. So sort of like as this got more contentious, as this got like more contested, competitive, closer, tighter, more neck and neck, the <laughs> just like penalties shot through the roof, and it was really like a high variety of them. This wasn't like three majors on so and so for high blocks. It was right. like everything you could think of: procedurals, yeah. unsportsmanlike conduct, just everything. Um, which honestly. I can't complain about. Yeah, I, I think that um, 
some of the most fun you see is is seeing people break the rules, get punished, and then seeing uh, how they're going to pick up the pieces. I hate to guess at why this happened, but you had mentioned that like in recent years, we've seen TX30 become kind of a cleaner sport, fewer penalties. Well, I can tell you, it was Hatchet Ma cracking down on it, illegal advancement. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, hate, I, I hate to think that it was just like, <laughs> you know, teams were getting really... Um, really hurt by eating a major and then having to do a reskate where they just lost a shitload of points and maybe it just became a thing where it's like oh it's just more conservative to not eat a major and, and just play it a little cleaner i don't know if this bout was a lot of intentional majors to like do a thing i think it was just a lot of like really scrappy play really like competitive play i think it was that... a lot of really fired up skaters yeah. trying their absolute hardest and we saw like some some heated words being exchanged in, in ways that like that happens when you have two very, very competitive teams, you know, vying for first in, in a in a back and forth type competition. Yeah, if you really fucking like care about something, yeah. the adrenaline is there, the emotions are there, you're right. pouring everything, like every bit of energy into this thing. Yes. Um and that's I don't know how anyone can dislike that. That yeah. is exciting to see from a competitor that they care that much. Yeah. And to see two whole teams that care that much is and it's all I can hope for as a fan. So getting into your sickest penalty? My sickest penalty along those lines is Ninja Fleece, who got ejected for unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct um, and did not seem happy about it. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this kind of goes to my point earlier about the level of attitude and personality that yep. the bombs show on the track coupled with the level of like passion and fierce competitiveness that all of these skaters show right so ninja getting ejected here for her altercation with dire's eve is like the perfect emblem of both of those concepts um it was one of my favorite moments from the bout um especially because it didn't end up in us losing because <laughs> i can definitely think of some past seasons where you just like Lose my favorite skaters. You lose like Ninja and Sacrilicious and Roll of Parks at the end of the bout, and then you're just like in the dumpster. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's mine for sure. Yeah. What do you got? So let's talk about fighting in TXRD. I think that fighting is is kind of a, a tenant, if you will, of of the experience of TXRD. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as I know, like they used to be required. I, they might still be. I actually have no idea. Oh. Um, but yeah, like it's a full contact sport. It's a sport with a lot of attitude. It's a sport with a lot of sports entertainment influence. Yes. I think fights make the most sense when you, you know, you have like an underdog that got cheated or something and you just want to see them get revenge yeah, or, absolutely. Uh, or something like that. And I think that um, TXRD fights in particular are very exciting because they are, uh, you know, captured within this bout, right? Everything is contextualized within this one bout that night. And you see, you know, skaters getting heated with each other because of what's actually happening out on the on the bank track yeah for sure and you see you know a dispute or any sort of like issue between two skaters turn into two whole teams piling on each right. other ripping each other off yeah dog piles other. are very common yeah it happens all the time and honestly as a fan it's really cathartic to see when you're a fan of either of these teams to see that sort of like fight back yeah to see that sort of release of emotions whether it's real or not Right. For the most part, like, yeah, these fights happen because people are playing around. They want to have fun. It's going to be impossible to discern what and when the emotions are actually real, when people are actually heated and have actual problems with each right. other. But we're typically able to sort of walk away knowing that, like you said, 
all of this is contained within this bout and this atmosphere of passionate competition. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes me not have a problem with them when yes. I'm like generally not like a fightsy person, right? I don't watch MMA, boxing. Yeah, same. I've never gotten a fist fight in my life. And and I think that TXRD fights, they happen so quickly. Like they're, they're uh, started, for me anyway, they're started in a way that like I barely even notice that they're happening until both skaters are on the ground and fists are being thrown. And then just shows up in zero seconds. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, like they don't stop the action really the there are sometimes penalties for like unsportswomanlike conduct um and in rare cases that i remember like ejections um but even that is kind of hype to see yeah and typically i think we we've mostly seen those ejections when there's like ref involvement right yeah <laughs> when you see the skater like throw the ref's clipboard right or, or like hatchet like ma gets toppled over <laughs> or something yeah uh but yeah so um my sickest penalty is, uh, and this is going to be kind of ironic given our ranking of uh, minor penalty face-offs, but um, the the pillow fight between... I thought, I thought about that irony this second. Yes, yeah. and I think it's very funny, but um, the, the pillow fight between, uh, it was supposed, I forget who it was supposed to be, but they subbed in Macho Mandy Savage on the bomb side uh, versus Breakenbake. And it was actually like a relatively competitive pillow fight, like actually some like almost amateur wrestling going on there and uh the funniest thing was that uh and i'll let you kind of tell the story but Shredpool, um yeah so we, we had talked about in our last episode how we don't really pull the crowd anymore so Shredpool introed this by saying that he was gonna get the crowd's opinion promptly ignore it and then have spank alley decide um which i thought was great super shout outs to you and also yeah like we had such an electric responsive crowd tonight the right. cheers for both sides were massive yes you love to hear that yes and also spank alley was loaded with uh mila jukovic's parents <laughs> so like obviously unfair shenanigans yada yada um but yeah that was my sickest penalty um and last but not least our play of the game so uh why don't you start off with the, the, your play of the game here yeah, I mean, I talked about this a little bit earlier um, when we were talking about Most Valuable Jammer, but my play of the game is that 11-0 jam that Legs made. Yeah. I think, like I said earlier, I don't want to talk too much about it, retread it too much. But I will. <laughs> momentum is everything. Let, let me let me tell you, that that room vibrated uh, when Legs hit that 11-point jam and never stopped. We were like... And I, never stopped smiling. Yes. And, and I remember like looking around at the beginning of the fourth quarter being like, holy shit, like everybody is electric. Yeah, that room. was when we like noticed how many people yeah. were sitting on either end of... The, or standing, standing on either end of the yeah. track. And like, it, it, you know, it all led up to the very final jam where uh, everyone was on their feet, just like, you know, uh, biting their nails, trying to figure out like, okay, are they going to clinch it out? And are the bombs going to pick it up? And like, yeah, they won by one point. Like, how hype is that? <laughs> um, so my play of the game is uh, probably not as exciting, but it was really interesting for me. Um, there was a time where there was a double major uh, penalty on the Holy Rollers, and the star had to reskate that jam. And in a matter of seconds, the star broke through the bombs pack of four with uh, a Holy Rollers pack of two assisting, and immediately called it off. And that is the perfect solution to being so, uh, uh, you know, uh, penalized, no pun intended, 
um, for two majors, like you want to just get it over with and not eat a bunch of ghost points from the bomb scoring. Absolutely. And Flaka also had one or two like denials like that yeah. as well. So the, the call off plays on major reskates, especially in a jam where majors mattered a lot. <laughs> right. Like, when there's so many of them, they have a 16. huge impact. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 um, extremely helpful to just try and, uh, stop the hemorrhaging when you, when you have to eat major reskates. Um, so yeah, that was the bout, uh, I think probably, I mean, it's certainly my favorite bout of this season and probably my favorite bout in recent memory. Um, just so electric. I was exhausted physically after Yeah, after my heart was round. racing for dozens of minutes right. after the bout ended um, and obviously for like the entire second half. Um, I had, I was so exhausted and also had a lot of trouble falling asleep. <laughs> right. So uh, let's take a look forward to... Um, sort of what we're doing next so the next bout here is actually on uh april 11th it's the the hellcats versus the rhinestone cowgirls um it's a little bit of a, a window here for us to get in an extra episode and i think we want to do we've mentioned it before but we kind of do want to do like maybe some interviews or something along those lines um yeah so we'll probably try to do a special episode talking about Something a little bit more internal to TXRD Roller Derby instead of just an outsider fan perspective. Um, looking forward to the future of this season. Coming up on uh, March 28th and 29th, we've got Skate by Skate West, yep. which is going to be hosted out at the warehouse in Buda. Um, if you've never been, it's basically a round-robin tournament, like an invitational tournament. This year it's going to be TXRD, uh, Houston Southside Roller Derby, and the Los Angeles Derby Dames. Yeah. Um, so that should be super-duper fun. Um, if you've never been, go. Uh, we've gone before. Yes. I don't remember what year that was. Uh, it might have been last year. Actually. It was a blast. I remember that was the first time that we sat super close to the track and we're like, holy shit. Bank Track Roller Derby is so much faster when you're closer to the track. Yes. And then, like, <laughs> never sat that close ever again until we got VIP this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that'll be great. Um, as far as the regular season goes, um, I'm super looking forward to the next bout, which, like you said, was Rhinestones and Hellcats. So I talked about this earlier. I think that that's a big opportunity for the Hellcats. Yes, um, definitely. And I want to kind of talk a little bit about the future of this season we touched on this a little bit as far as like you saying that we're at the cusp of some big change within roller derby um i'm really looking forward to emergent strategies over the rest of the season i yes. think that's what i'm keeping an eye out for the most we've got star passes we've got whip attempts do we see a return of runaway packs which kind of fell out of favor yeah at some point um, we see it uh, very rarely now where like sometimes it just makes the most sense to do a runaway pack but i was I, surprised in last night's bout to not see them we saw a couple of like soft runaways yeah, but but the like the the strategy from the get-go of like okay we're gonna do a runaway pack we know this like that you just don't see that really anymore yeah um but it seems like something that could work in the current landscape yeah. of like how these teams are working um as far as the future of um the the bombs and the rollers looking forward from this bout uh i think it's exciting super exciting for both teams i like i said was kind of worried about the rollers coming in as the team to beat uh, uh from the perspective of like are they gonna quash teams like the 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 bombs and the hellcats or something this season and it's right, like you can't understate that these are 
not just defending champs they were undefeated yeah, last undefeated season. right yeah so like there was something you know to be proven uh in this season for sure but I think that we're seeing that like yeah everyone's stepping up everyone's going to be competitive and more than anything I'm just excited to see more roller derby it almost doesn't matter like what the matchups are uh I want to see everybody absolutely um and kind of to close out that discussion um Brake caught us at the end of the bout and told us that she was happy to have lost an early season bout because it lights the fire under her ass to really, really step it up yeah. going forward. And the thing that's really crazy is that like the Holy Roller skated so phenomenally this bout, and I actually have zero doubt that they will step up even, even more. Yes. Um, that's the kind of mentality that you love to see, and we have absolute faith that that will happen. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think with that, we'll uh, close it out. So if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, um, please know that we're hosted on SoundCloud. So come uh, check us out on soundcloud.com slash TXRDFroadcast. Leave us a comment uh, or hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or our email address um, at TXRDFroadcast at gmail.com. And one super last second borderline off topic uh, (laughs) plug if you haven't already seen it, but you like action movies and you like things that are extremely vaguely related to roller derby, check out Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, a movie title that makes me smile ear to ear every time I say it out loud. I think you feel the same way. Yes. Um, I saw it, loved it. I think actually um, it captures a lot of the same feelings that um, we were talking about when we were talking about how fights in TXRD yeah. are so sick, which is just that... It's a story of a person who's super fed up with like bullshit preventing her from being awesome and kind of taking things into her own hands. I thought everything about it is fun, colorful, beautiful. Yes, I- I'm a big uh, DC Comics fan and Harley Quinn Mark, so it is my movie of the year, unless something can really top it. I, I doubt it. Yeah, I think the marketing for it has been horrendous, and I think it's been <laughs> yeah. super duper slept on. Don't let that convince you that you wouldn't like it. If you generally like fun things, you will like this movie. Yes. All right. I'm Aaron. I'm Josh. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.